If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the Gospel of Luke. We will be in Luke uh, chapter 2, and we will begin in verse 1. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. And I just wanted to say that, um, I know I mentioned this earlier, but I am so glad that you've decided to come and worship Christ on this special Christmas Sunday, because Christmas will not fall on Sunday again, I've read, for another 11 years. And so you think about that, and... Um, <clears throat> And I was thinking, think where you might be in 11 years. I mean, just add, add 11 to your age. Think about what's happened the last 11 years. I mean, 2011 was the last, I mean, that, that would have been the equivalent. And that's, it, it's just crazy to think about all the stuff that's happened since then, all the stuff that may happen. And so I'm glad that, that you've decided and were able to come and, and, and worship on this day. And what's special about today is not only is it the Lord's Day, not only is it the Lord's Day and Christmas Sunday, but also we're going to celebrate uh, the reason that he was born, and that is he was born to die for the sins of his people. So we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper um, at the conclusion of the service. And so uh, before we want to do that, before we do that, I want to look at his birth. And I've titled my sermon, Jesus, God's Gift, God's Christmas Gift to Us. Now from the beginning, Christmas has included the giving of gifts. Now, sometimes it seems like Christmas is awful commercialized, that, that everything's all about the, the, the magazines. I remember when I was a kid, we used to get the, uh, the, the Wish books, you remember those? And the, the, they'd have the magazines, and, and you'd go through and look at all the, all the toys you just had to have, and, 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 and you get them, and then you know, a week later you didn't remember what you'd gotten. And, and so we, we, we focus on the giving of gifts, and gifts have always been part of the Christmas event, but, but, but it's not because some retailer thought, you know what, our, 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 our bottom line is, is getting kind of thin. We need to bump that up a little bit and have an extra little bit of, of a bump at the end of the year. <clears throat> Christmas has always been about gifts. Jesus is the gift. Now, all the gifts that we give are just a shadow. They're just a, a picture of the gift that God gave at Christmas. But no matter how good our gifts are, no matter how great the gifts that you've gotten, it's pale. it pales in comparison to the gift of Jesus Christ. So if you found Luke chapter 2 and are able to, I'd like you to stand in honor of God's word and just kind of lay out for you where we're going. I want you to see that, that this is a humble gift, a holy gift, and a heralded gift. Look at verse 1. It says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, 
and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which, was, which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Thank you. May be seated. <clears throat> Now, the first thing I want you to see in our text today is that this was a humble gift. It was a humble gift. Look back at the beginning of the text. It begins with a decree going out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken. Now, this is not an unusual thing. Governments take censuses all the time. Um, and, and there's nothing unusual about Rome doing this because they would do this periodically because they wanted to know how many people they had for military service. They wanted to get some numbers for uh, taxation purposes, all those things. So there's nothing outstanding going on in this situation. But if you look at verses 4 and 5, we begin to see the humble circumstance into which Christ was born. He was born first to Mary and Joseph. Now, we, we know these names many years later, but not because of something that they did. We know them simply because of their relationship to Jesus Christ. They, 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 didn't, they didn't build a great monument. They didn't compose a great work of literature or, 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 or art or, uh, or, or some, some, some piece of music. It was simply because of who they were in relation to Jesus. They were pious but simple. They were not, they, they, they were not notable people. They were humble people. They were poor. And so these peasants of Nazareth traveled back to their ancestral home of Bethlehem, which was a small town. Now this, you know what a hole in the road is, right? Sometimes you go through a hole in the road town and, and I heard about two people that met up in college and one of them said, you know, my town was so small, we only had one stoplight. And the other one said, oh yeah, well mine's so small, we, we only had one stop sign. We didn't even have a stoplight. And the other one said, my town was so small, the, the, the sign that said entering and leaving the town were on the same pole. And the other guy said, really? You had a sign? I mean, it's, it's, it's some, some towns are just tiny little places. Yeah, if, if, if you didn't know they were there, you wouldn't even recognize it, that you'd gone through it. That's the kind of place that, that, that Bethlehem was. It was just a hole in the road. It wasn't something special. You, you didn't put on your itinerary, when I go to the Holy Land, I'm going to go to Bethlehem. Or if you lived in that area, you didn't say, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to vacation in Bethlehem. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a big place. You went to Jerusalem. That was the, that was the spot. That, that's where the temple was. That's where the religious learning was. All that was going on in Jerusalem, not Bethlehem. Bethlehem was just what you call normal. It was a humble place. But that's where this young couple went in order to register. And that's where we see the thing that stands out most in relation to his humble birth. If you look at verse 7 again, you see that he was laid in a manger. There was, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now when we think of an inn, we have a certain picture in our minds. But understand, Tom Bodette's great-great-grandpappy was not leaving the light on for him. I mean, they, they, the, the inns that they had were not like a hotel. It wasn't like a motel. An inn was a, it, it was a, a great big complex of, 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 it was just basically one big building that surrounded an, in a central courtyard and there was a well in the middle of that courtyard for the animals and for the people, but but the room or the the buildings didn't have anything but rooms. There was no there was no forage for the for the animals. There was no bedding for the people. It was just a bunch of rooms where you could stop and get some rest. 
That's all that it was. And, and they had places for the animals to stay, of course. And so it's, it's possible that's where Jesus was born. But the word that's translated as in is translated also in other parts of the New Testament as guest room. And it's possible that Jesus was born in somebody's guest room. But either way, he was, he was born surrounded by farm animals. Now understand, I grew up on a farm. I've got nothing against farm animals. But having said that, I also know that having a baby surrounded by all the smells and sounds and, and filth of farm animals is less than ideal. That's a pretty humble place to be born. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't laid in an ivory crib. He was not attended to by the best OBGYN in the country. Jesus was born in humble circumstances. And that prefigures what he said later in life. The foxes have dens, the birds of the air have, uh, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It was a humble birth. He was born in obscurity to poor parents in a poor place. But it wasn't just his parents, it wasn't just his birthplace that was humble. Look at verse 8 as well. It was the recipients of this birth announcement that were humble as well. Now, verse 8 mentions, mentions some shepherds. And we've kind of romanticized the shepherds uh, throughout all these years. We, 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 we think kind of highly of them. But in the first century, they were the pariah in society. I mean, you, you were, if you were a shepherd, you were an outcast. You didn't belong. Because of what they did, they didn't get to take part on the ceremonial washings that were part and parcel of Judaism. They didn't get to go to synagogue as much as, as what they would have liked to have. Um, they were notoriously untrustworthy and dishonest. They were looked at as, as thieves because commonly that's what they were. In fact, they were so distrusted in a court of law, they didn't get to testify. Their testimony was, 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 was thrown out. They were outcasts. They were nobodies. They were low men on the totem pole. They were outsiders in society. And yet that is, that is who it is that got the first birth announcement because that, it is, that is who it is that Jesus came to save. Jesus came to save the outcast. And I just want to tell you that, that if you're a nobody, if you're on the fringes of society, if you're an outcast, if you're not well-liked and well-known, friend, Christ came for you. That is who Jesus came for. That is who heard the first birth announcement. It was, it was the nobodies because Jesus came to save the uttermost. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. So it was a humble gift. Second, I want you to see that it was a holy gift. <coughs> it was a holy gift. So in verse 8, we see the shepherds, they're, they're abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now, usually the, the sheep were taken out into the open pasture early spring, and they were kept there till about October, November, somewhere around there. So most likely, Jesus was born... At the latest, by late September, sometime in October, at the latest. <clears throat> but these guys are out just doing their job, watching over the flocks, and suddenly an angel stands before them. Now, when we think of an angel, we think of Hallmark, right? We think of the Hallmark cards, the little, little babies with the, the rosy cheeks and, and so forth. And so we wonder at this, and we say, well, well, why would these guys be frightened? Because, I mean, those are cute. And... And, and, and they're not scary at all. But listen, that is not the biblical picture of an angel. And, and so this angel suddenly appears before them. 
and the glory of the Lord shines around, shines around them. And understand the glory of the Lord, that's the, that's the Shekinah glory. That's the, that's the glory that, that filled the tabernacle and, and the temple in the Old Testament. And, and just imagine, I mean, you, you've all been in a place where, where it's dark and you're sitting there and maybe watching a movie or something like that and somebody turns on the lights all of a sudden and it's like it's blinding, right? And so you can imagine here are these shepherds, they don't have incandescent lights. They don't have floodlights, you know, shine on the sheep to, to keep an eye on them. They're out there under the, the inky blackness of, of, of the sky. And here they are, it's dark, their eyes are adjusted to that, and suddenly the, the, the unapproachable glory of God shines, I mean, just, it, just instantly. One instant, it's, one moment it's, it's, it's black, the next moment you're bathed in this, the, this, this inexpressible, unapproachable light. That, that alone would be scary. That, that would be startling. But they were not only startled, the Bible says they were terribly frightened. Not just because of the glory of the Lord, but also because the angel's appearance. Now understand, we think about the Hallmark babies, but, but any time in Scripture that, that somebody has an encounter with God or one of his angelic messengers, it's always a scary thing. Not only because of their appearance, but also because these people knew their hearts. I mean, here is somebody from, from heaven's angelic army standing before them, and they were terrified. They were, the Bible says, sore afraid. They were petrified. Because their natural assumption in that moment was, God has come in judgment. God is going to smite me. I am in for it because I am a sinner against God. Every time somebody has an encounter with God, and they recognize, for instance, Jesus for who he is, there's always fear. Because because man, whenever he recognizes his sinfulness and he is brought into God's presence, he recognizes it and he is fearful because he knows he deserves judgment. But instead of bringing a message of wrath and, and judgment on these men, he says, I bring you comfort and joy. Notice what he says. He says, don't be afraid. Verse 10, don't be afraid. It's not a day of wrath. This is not a day of judgment. It's a day of salvation. Therefore, don't be afraid. And I just want to say that just like the shepherds, this is the message for all people. Today is the day of salvation. Today is, 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 not, is not the day of wrath. Today is the day that God's offering salvation. Notice what he says. It's going to be for all people. Verse 10. I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. To the Jew first and then to the Gentile. To, to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. To the whole world. And that means you and that means me. Therefore, don't be afraid because God has come to bring salvation. Now, I just want us to work our way through what he says. He says, first, I bring you good news of great joy. Now, the word that's translated as good news is the word that we get our English word gospel from. The gospel is good news. It causes great joy. Why? Because God has not come in wrath, He's come in salvation. And notice what He says. He says, today, all the previous messages about the Messiah, all those things that you read about in the Old Testament, all the things that have built up to this point have been promises. They've looked ahead, and the, the angel says, today, it's finally here. Today, the promises are fulfilled, or at least are being fulfilled, uh, beginning to be fulfilled. Today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
Look at that title again. First, he is a savior. Salvation is man's greatest need. God in his infinite love did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He sent us a savior. He sent us someone who would save us from the penalty of sin when we get saved. When we're justified, we're made right with God. We're saved from hell. We're, we are being saved from the power of sin. That's, that's called sanctification when we're made more like Christ. And we'll one day be saved from the very presence of sin in heaven when we are glorified. He came as a Savior. And, and apart from Christ, there is no salvation. Salvation is not found in, in works. It's not found in social acceptance. It's not found in religious activities. It's not found in other religions or other faiths. It is found in Jesus Christ alone. Because the Bible says, All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says He is Christ the Lord. The end of verse 11. Christ the Lord. Now that word Christ means anointed. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. And finally He says He is the Lord. He is not a Lord. He is the Lord. Now the word Lord, kurios, in the Greek, was used a variety of ways back then. It could just be a title of respect, like Sir. But it has the idea of being in charge, of being the master, of being the, the owner, the one who calls the shots. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the, when they would render the title of God, they would use the word kurios. So when he says he is Christ the Lord, he is not just a Lord. He's not just responding to him, referring to him in a respectful way. He's saying more than that. He's saying he is in charge. He is Lord. He is King. He is, he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He is, he is God over creation. He is God Himself. He is a holy gift. And finally, I want you to see that He is a heralded gift. A heralded gift. Now, now we sing about it. Hark the what? The herald angels sing. He is proclaimed. He is sung about. He is, he, he is announced. <coughs> And we see that with the angels. The angels show up, they start praising God, they start announcing uh, Jesus' birth, they herald Him. And notice what they say. They rightfully praise God for what He's done in Christ. But not only that, they proclaim peace among men with whom He is pleased. This tells us that not everybody is pleasing to God. Not everybody has the peace of God. Now listen, there's a difference between the peace of God and peace with God. One's an objective and one's the subjective reality. The reason people don't have peace, the peace of God, is because they don't have peace with God. What's the difference? Well, the peace of God is it's peace that comes directly from Him. It's that which surpasses all understanding. It's, it's that which, which helps us make it through um, life. But you're not going to have that until you have peace with God, when you're made right with Him. Because in, in our natural state, we're... We're, we're, there, there's hostility between us and God. We're at war with Him. We are rebels against God. But Christ came to reconcile us to God. And when we get saved, when we trust Christ as our Savior, the Bible says we're made right with God. We're reconciled to Him, and there is peace between us and Him. And the peace of God flows from our peace with God. But finally, I want you to see the, the, the last group that heralded his birth were the shepherds. After they got the message from the angels, they went, they verified, they saw it with their own eyes, they hurried to Bethlehem. 
They verified it all for themselves, and they went out and they told. They came and saw, then they went and told. They told everybody to listen. They were Jesus' first witnesses. And notice they didn't have all the theology worked out at that point. They didn't know about the cross. They didn't know about all the miracles he would do. They didn't know about walking on water and water into wine and the healings and all those things. They didn't have all the answers to questions they may have been asked. And yet they went out and they testified about what they had seen and heard. And listen, you may not have all the answers to all the questions that you could be asked. Sometimes sometimes we, we let that keep us from saying anything, don't we? Because we want to say something to somebody and we say, but, but what if they ask me this? I don't have an answer for that. Listen, you don't have to have all the answers, but you can tell what you've witnessed. You can tell what Christ has done for you. And what a wonderful time to do that very thing. We literally have it built into our calendars, a time to talk about Jesus. Sometimes we say, well, I'm just too busy. I need to put it on the calendar. It's already there. Christmas. Because Christmas, as great as family time is, it's not about, uh, it's not about family. It's not about days off from work. And I love days off from work. It's not about presents under the tree. It's not about gifts that we give to one another. It's about the gift that God gave to us. Jesus. That first Christmas morning, He gave the greatest gift of all in the person of His Son. Jesus was born to provide salvation for rebel sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came that we might have life and have it in abundance. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to save His people from their sins. And today, if, if you would call on Him for salvation, the Bible says you will be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Why don't you stand with me as a musician comes. Now as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just in the, in the quiet of this time, I want to encourage you to consider your status before God. Has there ever been a time when you have put your faith in Christ? Not do you go to church regularly? Now, have you been baptized? Now, have you taken the Lord's Supper? Not any of those things. Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? That's the whole reason we celebrate Christmas. Maybe you've done that. Maybe, maybe what, what you need to take away from this is maybe that you need to get your focus off of the things that we see and, and focus on the greatest gift that was given. In Jesus Christ. Maybe let all the activities of the Christmas season crowd out your worship of the King. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, we thank you this Christmas day 
that we can come together to, um, to worship you. We can come together to uh, praise you. And ultimately, we come together to thank you for sending Christ to die for us. Thank you for the salvation that you provided. Lord, if there's somebody who's hearing me today that's never accepted Christ as their Savior, I, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. For those of us who are Christians, I pray that you'd help us to keep Christ in his rightful place. And put him above everyone and everything. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.